Welcome everyone, this is Tech Break. My name is Shiloh Wright, and I'll be bringing you our first ever episode. Today we'll have Phil Deaton and Brooke Knapp discuss the topic of accessibility. Phil Deaton is the Web Accessibility Specialist for Michigan State University, where he helps to coordinate university-wide in the areas of course, web, and vended technology accessibility. He is also the instructor of a disability studies course at MSU titled Disability in Society, Education, and Pop Culture. In addition, he is finishing up his master's degree in digital rhetoric and professional writing, wherein he studies disability, accessibility, pedagogy, digital governance, and instructional design. So pretty much he's doing a lot of multitasking right now. Then we also have Brooke Knapp, who is a digital accessibility intern working on the accessibility team with Phil in MSU IT and digital accessibility um, consulting on courses for the School of Social Work. She is also a student in the College of Nursing, so pretty much she's also multitasking and doing a lot. I'm gonna let them take over and like pretty much tell us about accessibility because they know way more than I do. So here they go. I guess when talking about why accessibility matters, um, it's easy to look at the laws that surround it, such as Section 508 and the ADA. But to me and Phil, who work with this every day, it means a lot more than that. It's just a basic right that everyone has, which is the right to information. Um, But other than that, it's really hard for me to answer this because to me it just is important. It's hard to explain why someone should be empathetic for someone else. Right. Uh, Yeah, for us, accessibility is part of all these conversations on campus that we're having about diversity and inclusion. And... uh, Part of being uh, an advocate or a champion for diversity and inclusion is uh, thinking about and being conscientious of uh, individuals with disabilities and of disability as an identity um, that is is important for, for folks on campus. And there are a lot of different ways to think about disability. So one of the things that we work with a little bit is uh, models of disability, and there are a couple of different well-known models of disability. Um, And one of them is the medical model, which is more of a deficit model for disability, which thinks about disability as something that needs to be fixed and normalized. There are a lot of problems with this model because it doesn't let individuals with disabilities fully participate in society, uh, and it looks at disability as a flaw as opposed to an identity and an asset in some cases. Um, Another model, which is more the acceptable model that we use, is the social model. Um, There's both pros and cons to it. There still is some debate around it. This is kind of the idea of um, impairment versus disability, so an impairment being um, a physical limitation and disability being um, something that's created by society that stands in the way of a person with a disability. This can be a ramp or a way to get into a building Right. And I think one of the cool things about the social model, we get people all the time that uh, tell us that the work that we do is really cool and that helps a lot of people. Um, But for me, uh, the work is more about removing barriers. So it's less about directly aiding or accommodating someone with a disability. It's more about removing any barriers that they have to access information and uh, working with that barrier to get it out of the way. And I think it's really important for us to think about these models of disability when we're thinking about how to be good advocates for uh, individuals with disabilities.
my next question for you guys would be, how do you start to tackle accessibility problems? So I think for me that the most important thing um, when answering this question is this idea of universal design. So being proactive versus reactive. If I can relate this to coursework that I work on, a proactive design would be working with an instructor to create a course that is accessible from the beginning. Whereas right now we're more editing these courses or remediating these courses um, to make them accessible. So working with processes to help faculty or staff such as skill sets and um, presentations that might give them the skills to build an accessible course from the beginning rather than um, working backwards. So um, I think that one of the things that's been really helpful for us on campus at Michigan State is that we've really uh, tried to um, utilize students as best as we can. Um, Brooke is uh, one of the digital accessibility interns uh, on the team that I work on, and she's one of the many uh, students that helps to do this work. It's really helpful when students are the ones that are advocating for these things to be done because students are best able to illustrate and to draw comparisons between how uh, other students may be interacting with a class. Um, and I think that it's really cool that Brooke and others are able to give feedback to instructors, not just for uh, helping out the accessibility of the courses and thinking about universal design, but also because having students that are able to best empathize with other students it enhances the conversations we're able to have with faculty. And I think that empathy is a really critical thing when we're thinking about disability studies. One of my colleagues, James Jackson, wrote a, a blog post recently for, for the Hub's website, uh, which kind of really delves into this, uh, this concept more clearly. Um, and I'd really recommend that you check that out uh, when you're trying to think about how to design these processes and, and how to, to get involved in in uh, tackling accessibility problems. Um, wouldn't you say that empathy is like probably one of the more important skills? <laughs> Definitely. I don't think that you can do this work without being empathetic. Yeah, and I, I think that that's what makes it some somewhat hard for us to answer the first question that you had, uh, <laughs> because really for us it's all about uh, being inclusive of of other students on campus, regardless of any identity that they may have. And for these problems that you're saying that we have, what are solutions to these problems? The most obvious answer to this question is to think about things like captioning. Uh, so captioning is an, uh, something that is added for accessibility reasons um, so that individuals with hearing impairments can participate in videos. And it's something that's useful for everyone. Um, and there's a lot of cool conversations around captioning. Um, and it's less of a science than an art. So if you're interested in captioning, there are a lot of cool resources to check out uh, related to it. Um, another thing I'd like to mention is color contrast. So if you have something in a document and um, your text is being, like meanings being denoted by color, um, you might want to think about using something else such as italics or bolding to help um, define that meanings since some visual users or someone who's colorblind can't tell the difference. Yeah, and in general, don't use like a light text on a light background. Um, so that was something that used to be really popular. I used to do external consulting, and all the time I'd see different brands that would use a light gray on a white background, and it was really frustrating. And I think it's important that you don't make uh, inaccessibility part of your brand. Uh, because that will lose you customers and lose you uh, <laughs> students that are trying to learn. 
Um, I think another easy thing is headings to visual users. It's easiest for us to um, understand the meaning of a document. For, for someone who's not a visual user and is using an assistive technology, something as simple as tagging a heading can really help them understand um, where they are in the document and how to get to certain places. Yeah, and if you're ever curious about how to add in headings or, or um, how to think about color contrast in different uh, uh, software, uh, we do have tutorials available on our website. Uh, which is webaccess.msu.edu. I guess another quick thing to mention would be alt text. Uh, so alt text is a uh, data attribute attached to images. So it's not necessarily something that an individual, uh, if you're looking at an image, would immediately perceive, but it's like data that's attached to that image that's meant to be an equivalent for it uh, within the context of its use. Um, and I think alt text is really interesting in conversations around like higher education uh, because you have to think about like your learning objectives and all these different kinds of things. And again, it's, uh, it's less of a science and more of an art. And there are a ton of great resources related to it where you can learn more about uh, uh, creating text alternatives. And now that you've pretty much discussed all of these solutions that we could do, or at least some of them, what are some technologies on the rise? What is going to come up and how are we going to address them? So this is a really good question and this is something that's always been really hard to predict. I think that anyone that tries to say what's going to happen next with emerging technology usually gets it wrong. Um, but uh, one of the things about accessibility and emerging technology is that all this stuff can seem a little bit complicated. Uh, but it's really not. It is sometimes complex, but it's simple. It's just about using empathy in your design when you're thinking about new types of interactions that individuals are going to need to have with your technology. Um, and using empathy and, and thinking about how to make your, pro your current products better or your new innovative ideas better is always a good way to, uh, to make things accessible. Um, I think what I'd like to see with new technology is people to just start thinking about people with disabilities. Um, I think that can make a huge difference. An example of this is YouTube. They just updated their auto-captioning. It's not always accurate, but it is a good step towards improvement. Um, some of the other things that we offer at Michigan State is media space. We sometimes direct professors to go there to upload their um, videos so that we can get those auto-captions for people with hearing impairments and such. It's not always accurate either. Another easy thing is we just sometimes <laughs> send the captions out. It is like a good resource. It, they're usually pretty quick, cheap, and very accurate. Yeah, sometimes captioning can be expensive, but you know, sometimes for like shorter things, it's worthwhile because, as I was kind of saying earlier, captioning is a little bit of an art as opposed to a science. So if you're trying to convey something in a particular way, then it may make sense to caption it. Uh, your own content in a particular way um, and I think that that's a really interesting part of the, these conversations. Um, another cool thing about emerging technologies and accessibility is that um, accessibility has historically been a, a very innovative way to design new technologies. Uh, if you look at the invention of the telephone for example, Alexander Graham Bell was trying to invent a way for individuals who had hearing impairments to hear and you know he wasn't necessarily the, the best individual uh, he was a little bit of a, a eugenicist but that technology was was you know really useful and a lot of uh, great entrepreneurs and uh, great technology developers uh, have forms of disabilities as well 
Uh, so it's really important to think about how individuals with disabilities can contribute to creating new emerging technologies, as well as how disability can inform the creation, as, as Brooke was saying, as you were saying, uh, can inform the creation of new technology. I think that it's important to always consider asking the question, is this accessible or is this going to be accessible? It's always a good question to ask when you're, you're meeting with new vendors or whoever. Um, and sometimes it's a hard question for some folks to answer, but we don't ever want people to be ashamed of the fact that they may not have designed it to be accessible out of the gate because some of this stuff can be uh, complex. I think sometimes it can be intimidating, but just by thinking about why it matters, why accessibility matters, is just a good start in general. It just means that you care. Yeah, and I think that uh, if you are designing a new, innovative, and awesome uh, emerging technology, um, then we'd love to have a conversation with you about how uh, you can make that technology more accessible. Um, so you can contact us at webaccess at msu.edu. That's W-E-B-A-C-C-E-S-S at msu.edu. And we're always happy and excited <laughs> to talk about uh, accessibility um, in the context of technology. So. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Brooke and Phil. I think that we've all learned something new today. I don't think anybody's ever thought about accessibility and empathy and like putting those two together. I feel like as humans, we are naturally empathetic. And I feel like the fact that they broke it down for us made it not even just technical, because this is what this is about. Tech break is something where you're going to learn about different things that you didn't even think really was fused with technology. Like empathy, technology, did you really even put those together before? So give us a chance, come back. We're gonna have some more episodes coming your way. Probably gonna shoot out one a month, so hey, listen to my voice a couple times a month, you know, it's whatever. But uh, yeah, we'll see you again.